in to score Merrifield. Kiermaier's in to score. Springer's coming down the line. He wants to score. It's an inside the Parker for George Springer. Berrios on the move. Pitch out a chain. Blocked by Berrios. Blocked by Armstead. Look at him dive. Look at him score. David sliding it to Bouchard. He gets it back. A pass over. And a Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Oh, wow. Good morning to you. What a weekend in sports. Unbelievable numbers put up in, well, some NHL preseason, some NFL games. If you like the Miami Dolphins, if you don't like the Denver Broncos, well, you probably had a little bit of fun last night and yesterday watching, uh, oh, what's it say, about uh, 700 yards of offense and 70 points slapped on you. And then uh, maybe the best line of the night came after uh, the Vancouver Canucks played Calgary Flames. 10-0. Vancouver takes one on the chin. Rick Tockett comes after the game and to the media and says, well, I kind of feel like Sean Payton right now, Denver Broncos head coach. Wow, some big, big numbers. Um, so uh, great to have you with us uh, on a Monday morning. And let's bring in our Monday morning co-host, Lorianne Munzer, 2004 Olympic gold medalist. Uh, morning, Lorianne. How are you? Great, Kevin. Good morning. Happy Monday. Yeah. How was your weekend? Oh, fantastic. Out on the bikes. <laughs> Any day on a bike is a great day. Let me put often. on my surprise face. Yeah, out on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> how many K, how many Kimmies did you roll off this weekend? Oh, we tootled around the city, down in the River Valley, did about 40. Oh, that's it was all. great. Well, yeah. That's all. That's all. Um, so 2-1, Oilers lose last night, uh, 4 o'clock start, so kind of later in the afternoon to the Vancouver Canucks in a shootout. Those two teams are back at it tonight in Winnipeg, pardon me. So Oilers 2-1 to Winnipeg. Uh, it, we're talking about Vancouver pasting one on Calgary. So 2-1, uh, Oilers losing in a shootout to Winnipeg in Winnipeg tonight. So let's clarify that. Uh, text coming in, one 833 from... Northside Norm, what a great weekend. NHL preseason started. My Chiefs look great, but now I'm stuck on the highway to Calgary. Looking forward to 7 a.m. Sincerely, Northside Norm. Well, hopefully, Norm, we can get you uh, through the day and uh, get you on your way to Cowtown. Uh, Stair Farmer, Oilers game showed some good stuff. Uh, Calgary dressed their whole starting lineup nearly. Uh, they better have won 10-0. Go, Oilers go. Yeah, yes, it was a little heavy Calgary lineup, but uh, 10-0. The biggest story probably of the day is the new power couple in sports and entertainment, isn't it? I guess it's been going on a little while. Uh, let's also bring in the Duke of Delburn, uh, Brandon Douglas. Uh, why did you have that little kind of smile when I said the new power couple? Oh, you can't escape it right now, on uh, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram or anything. It is uh, it kind of a uniting of some really passionate fan bases between uh, Northside Norm and his Kansas City Chief yeah. brethren and uh, and the Swifties. Yes. So, of course, everyone knows it's uh, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. Now, Bill Belichick this morning on the Greg Hill Show comes up with, and Bill Belichick is, has probably one of the best, you know, he's got a great sense of humor, doesn't show it a lot, just because he's kind of guarded and in the way the media goes about things, whatever. Um, here's Bill Belichick's line on 
the Greg Hill Show. I would say that Travis Kelsey has had a lot of big catches in his career. This one would be the biggest. I don't know. I think sports and music just goes hand in hand perfectly. And if you think about some of the power couples yeah. from earlier, we were talking about Beckham and Posh Spice. Spice, yeah, one of the Spice Girls. Yep. I mean, you just can't get away. Where you find one, you find the other. And it's just a perfect match. It's a match made in heaven. Let us know if you can think of a sports and entertainment couple. Shoot us off a text, one 401 1440 I think... Uh, the biggest one for me goes back a long ways. That's Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. So, but there are many of them, like many of them. Uh, Mike Fisher, Carrie Underwood. Yeah. Mike Fisher was in Ottawa for years and years. Started dating Carrie Fisher, get married. Now he he ended his career with the Nashville Predators. So, yeah. uh, interesting, interesting. Rockford fires one off right away. Gretzky Jones. Oh, hey. There you go. Totally. One of the biggest ones going. Actually, it's really funny because when I came home from the Olympics, I wasn't allowed to stay at home. So I was put up at the Sutton Place Hotel. Oh, okay. And the interesting second part was they flew my sister and my two little nephews in, but my bags didn't make it home. So here I am off the plane in my Canadian kit, Mm -hmm. Olympic kit. And I'm like, I need some clothes because I've got an interview that I have to do in a couple hours. So ended up calling Roots, who was the sponsor. And I had two security guards take uh, the four of us over in Edmonton Center. And guess who was walking in front of us? Wayne Gretzky. Uh, wow, yeah. Wayne me... Gretzky, Janet Jones, they happened to be in yeah. town. And uh, I didn't get to chat with them, but uh, it was pretty cool. Just, you know, just in the train. He would have talked to you. Yeah, absolutely. Gold. There was a lot going on that time. Yeah, but I mean... You know, gold medalist, Olympic gold medalist, you know. He's stopping in for a chat with the monster, isn't he? I think so. I, I think, think we I think we should arrange that. Well, I think we can. I think one of these days we will probably end up having um number ninety nine on this show. I would mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna bet on that one. I'm gonna bet I don't know if we can get Janet Jones Gretzky as well. Would you like to see both of them on? I would love to see both of them on. Did you did you remember her in a League of Their Own? Yes. She was one of the Rockford Bells or Peaches, one of the or yep. one of those teams anyway. Absolutely. Um Yeah, she's got quite the story too, right? Well, for sure. I mean I mean, if you go back that one of the, the first documentary that was uh, a 30 for 30, ESPN did all these 30 for 30s. I don't know if, how many of you've seen of them. Uh, there are some good cycling ones too, but um, was the Wayne Gretzky trade in 1988 and how Janet Jones was portrayed as this Jezebel who was stealing Wayne and taking him to LA, yada, yada. Um, And she had some candid comments in the, in the documentary. It's King's Ransom, uh, one of the first and probably one of the best uh, 30 for 30 uh, documentaries going on. So busy, busy day, busy weekend. Uh, Duke, let's get to this uh, 70 points. Uh, Even fantasy, between those two running backs in Miami, I think almost 100 fantasy points between Mostert and a chain, right? Yeah, uh, Mostert, I think, finished up, yep, just over 40, and Devin A. Chain, uh, 51 in a PPR (laughs) format. 
Um, not many people would have no. had him out there, I don't think. I have him on my roster because in my Dynasty League, of course, we only draft rookies, so he was my first-round pick this year. Wasn't starting him this week, of course, because no. my team is just simply too good oh, otherwise. Just amazing, it's isn't it? so good. Um, but yeah, So come away with the win regardless, looking like it, heading into the Monday night games. But yeah, Devin H, and I think he'll be a very popular waiver wire uh, pickup oh. here come, come tonight or Tuesday night, depending on your league. So For sure. Uh, last week... Uh, Lorianne Munzers, our Monday morning co-host, uh, 7 to 9 here on the Kevin Carey Show, 1440. Last week, uh, L.A., you gave me a couple golf tips. Before Tuesday's uh, tournament, uh, the Barry Cates Memorial. Mm-hmm. How'd it go? Uh, well, I was golf. I ended up golfing with Bob Nicholson and um, Mark Connolly that's, and then Bruce that's Hardy. Trouble, that's trouble right there. Yes. Well, again. Uh, but anyway... Uh, Bob Nicholson looked at me like I was from another planet. Like a, your game was so good, bad. Oh, it's just and then yesterday it was bad again. And then this is how bad it's. <laughs> I, had, I was playing uh, on Saturday night, playing thirty-one. You know the card game thirty-one with the neighbors' kids, ten mm-hmm. and twelve. Yep. And they mopped the floor with me. You got stomped. Yeah. There's. I have nothing going for me right now. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. Can you planet. help? I mean, I need the help. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> um, Tech line, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 A couple other notes from the weekend. Uh, lots of big curlers are on here, obviously. They had the ATB financial uh, bond spiel in Okotoks. Brendan Botcher, his foursome, uh, beat Kevin Cooey 4-3 in an extra end. So a uh, big win early on in the season. Uh, do, you, do you follow curling? I think there's... Did you ever curl, Loria? I've curled once, oh. a long, long time ago, and then a uh, big fan of Cheryl Bernard. Cheryl Bernard, yep. Love Cheryl, yep. fantastic. Uh, she's the basically the head of the Canadian Olympic uh, uh, Hall of Fame committee. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So just local stuff. Watched it when Mum used to watch it on the television. So, yeah. That's it. That's about it. Huh. Yeah. Uh, our old buddy Cam Tate sends in, um, <laughs> uh, and you know, Cam, this obviously. is going to be good. It is. This yeah. is going to be good. We need a drum roll. Yes. <laughs> Cam Tate. Remember when Messier and Madonna had a short fling in 1992? Oh my well, gosh. only Cam could so Pull verbally, that one out of the archives. just a beautifully uh, written short fling, not like a relationship or anything but uh thanks tater for that <laughs> oh man but there are like there uh there's some amazing uh kate upton justin verlander pitcher for houston now uh russell wilson and sierra there's some big ones out there Dwayne wade gabrielle union mm-hmm. um duke what about you must have tons off the top of your head like just Massive amount. Well, I think you guys have covered a lot of them uh, in terms of athlete and celebrity ones. Yeah, you guys rattled off all the ones. I'd, um, Mike Comrie uh, and Hillary Duff. Yes. Uh, since since yes. divorced, of course, yeah. but that was one kind of from uh, a while back. Now, Hillary Duff very popular in my uh, my younger years. <laughs> Um, and Mike Comrie, much maligned here in Edmonton. So I think that one might uh, spark a few Mike's chords a with uh, yeah. with some people here in the city. I, uh, I enjoyed every interview I did with Mike. Uh, he came in here when he signed that contract, and I remember uh, Kevin Lowe said, no, you're, you're, you're playing tonight. 
You're starting to contribute right away. And, and I mean, he had some great seasons. Mike was a very good NHL player. Uh, Rockford, Mike Tyson, Robin Givens. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. That was a, quite an interview they had. I, I don't mm-hmm. uh, Barbara Walters maybe might have done that interview. She's done some great interviews. Yes. Yeah. Um, she goes in a little deep. Well, she's, <laughs> she, I, I guess so, if you say so, L.A. Uh, big show coming up today. Uh, Lori Ann, of course, will be with us from 7 till 9. At 7.20, we're going to hook up with uh, Arthur Staple, longtime NHL writer, now with The Athletic, uh, covers the New York Rangers. Rangers have a lot of good pieces to the puzzle moving into this season. Good scoring. Uh, you know, Jacob Truba is a beast on defense. Adam Fox can move the puck as well as anyone in the game. Uh, 7.20, we'll uh, check in with Arthur Staple. Uh, at 7.40, it's going to be some story time with uh, Lorianne Munzer. And just give a little snippet, a little harbinger about this story in Moscow. About just give what you know. We call it a, a tease in the business. What what can our listeners uh, expected about seven forty from this adventure you had in Moscow, Russia? Well, I call it the Moscow adventure, and yeah. it was uh, always about trying to find some Mickey D's, the mm-hmm. McDonald's around the world. So here we were, decided to go to the Red Square, and uh, of course, being about minus thirty five, minus forty on Valentine's Day. It was really cold, so mm-hmm. we were in uh, pursuit of somewhere warm, something hot to drink, and once we got the hot chocolate in, whew, stepped out, and then the adventure started going south, <laughs> and it went south really quick. It was like a huge lesson to be learned on that trip. Well, we're going to hear all about it at uh, 7.40, the Moscow Adventure. Every morning at 8 o'clock, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet, uh, powered by Booster Juice, uh, joins us for On the Mark. And we'll talk about, uh, again, uh, 2-1. Oilers lose last night in a shootout to Winnipeg. Uh, in Winnipeg tonight, uh, tons of uh, Oilers coverage coming up uh, this morning. Chris Joseph, a former Oiler. Our headliner of the day for Mr. Ruder will guest with us at uh, 8.20. At 9 o'clock... Edmonton Elks head coach and GM Chris Jones will join us. The Elks on a bye week after uh, losing to Saskatchewan, or pardon me, losing to BC on uh, Friday night. Uh, Saskatchewan lost uh, its game, uh, the early game on the doubleheader. So Chris Jones uh, will be with us at 9 o'clock. The Blue Jays coming on now. Uh, Texas has been coming on as well in the American League West. Houston faltering a little bit. So, uh, Blue Jays sitting a little bit more comfortably in that wild card in the American League. Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation will be with us at 920. Uh, Jeff Baker, Seattle Times, uh, at 10 o'clock, talking about, well, probably a little Mariners, probably a little bit of... Uh, uh, Seahawks and how things uh, went for the Hawks this weekend. And then another oldie but a goodie, uh, one of our favorite guys going, Pete Peters, former NHL goaltender, uh, has tons of stories. Pete is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, just really down to earth. Um, he's got a little kind of a spread little farm out there in northeast of the city i think uh, somewhere in there so uh, we'll check in with uh, with pete peters at uh, 10 20 uh, text line one 1440 the king of fort nasty uh, chimes in good morning kk duke and la 
M, the monster. Uh, well, my Broncos are now an embarrassing own three. I wasn't able to watch the game, was doing an electrical panel upgrade, so I had no power. Didn't catch a single Sunday game, which is a rarity for me. Uh, is the Dolphins offense extraordinarily good, or is my Broncos D just that bad? Probably both. How's that sound? King of Fort Nasty? Duke? Yeah? Uh, the Dolphins offense is cooking. Uh, they did all that without Jalen Waddle yesterday, but the Broncos defense that was the only positive to draw from last season looks like it is nothing close to that. They gave up 35 to the Commanders, <laughs> 17 to the Raiders, who look inept on the offensive side yes. of the ball. So I think you're right, Kev. It's probably a little bit of both, but yeah, the Broncos, yikes. And I think, times. you know, uh, that's a game I didn't watch. I just watched the highlights. It looked like they quit. That's what it looked like, you know, in, in, in the fourth quarter. And I mean, the game was out of hand as it was, but it looked like they quit. All right. When we come back on the Kevin Carrier Show on Sports 1440 with our Monday morning co-host, Lorianne Munzer, we will check in with Arthur Staple from The Athletic covering the Rangers. That's coming up right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Five degrees in the capital region, looking for a high of about 21 today as we welcome in Arthur Staple from The Athletic uh, in New York. Uh, Arthur, welcome to Sports 1440. You're with Kevin Carius and our co-host on Monday mornings, 2004 Olympic gold medalist, Lorianne Munzer. How are things going in the Big Apple today? Not too bad. How's things going there? Good. Well, thank you very much. Um, wanted to just kind of touch base with you covering the Rangers now as opposed to covering the Islanders for so many years can you explain what the differences are between those two teams in that big hockey market uh, you know I think there's always been a little bit of the little brother big brother little sister big sister mm-hmm. relationship between Islander fans and Ranger fans uh, even though pretty much uh, a fair amount of success on either side the last 20, 30 years, not much, I guess, but uh, both been, uh, you know, similar amount of playoff trips. Maybe the Rangers have been a little bit better in the last 15 years or so, but, um, you know, it's a bit of a different market, Um, maybe different uh, surroundings. Both teams, the Islanders, uh, for a long time, were a little bit uh, frugal, I guess you could say. The Rangers have never spared at any expense uh, as far as their players go, and their fans but the Islanders are getting up to speed now with their nice new arena and mm-hmm. nice new practice facility from the last few years so uh not too many differences but uh I think maybe if you ask me that uh, you get a different answer than if you ask an Islander fan or a Ranger fan they get pretty heated about it yeah for sure there is that heated uh, rivalry for sure as uh, Arthur Staple from The Athletic is our Monday morning uh, guest on Sports 1440. Arthur, when you look at this New York Ranger roster, um, they've got a lot of firepower up front, uh, made a couple of acquisitions. Um, How do you see things panning out just on a general basis for the Rangers heading into the season? You know, I guess uh, obviously the biggest change they made was behind the bench. They, you know, Gerard Gallant, only two years and one year within a couple wins of the Stanley Cup final in in 2022. A bit of a disappointment last year, but... uh, You know, this core is pretty locked in. They're very tight to the cap. Um, They have an owner that uh, was uncharacteristically patient through the years after the letter and and trying to rebuild an organization that had been going for it year after year in the early 2010s. And once they got that taste of some success two years ago, I think it was uh, was time to reverse course and go all out. You saw it certainly with uh, the trade deadline acquisitions last year, but... 
So that was a disappointment. Uh, Chris Drury moved on from Gerard Gallant, brought in Peter LaViolette. Uh, you know, good resume. Uh, you know, a team that still has some youth, uh, getting a little bit older. But like you said, lots of firepower, lots of talent at a lot of key positions. So I think, you know, the reason you bring in a guy like Peter LaViolette is that it's Stanley Cup or bust around here. And, and uh, certainly they have the talent to do it. They certainly have the goaltending to be able to do it. Uh, they just maybe needed a little bit, a little bit more backbone than they had last year. They weren't able to, to kind of rebound when New Jersey turned it around on them uh, in, the, in the first round in the playoff series. So, you know, I think they're just looking to get over the hump. This is not a team that's building. This is not a team that feels incomplete. I think they feel like the, the modest acquisitions they made uh, in free agency are to support the core that can win a championship. So that's the goal here. Arthur, it's uh, Lorianne. Great to meet you. With the veteran presence presence of Jonathan Quick, what does he bring to the team? You know, um, it's Igor Shesterkin's team in net, obviously. This is a guy who, you know, put up one of the greatest goaltending seasons of, in NHL history a couple of years ago and certainly was superb last year. Um, so I think they were really just looking for someone to to be some good support, play the 20 to 25 starts that you need an NHL backup to play this in these days. And, you know, for me, Quick was a bit of a curious choice. He's not coming off a great year, even though it ended with his third Stanley Cup ring. That was, uh, you know, kind of a pleasant turnaround for him after struggling in L.A. and the surprise trade from there. Um, so I think you can't question his ability, uh, you know, as a veteran, as a guy who's been known as a great teammate the last few years. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles being a backup for, you know, really for the first time in his career after being the guy in L.A. for so long. Uh, and the numbers for him weren't great last year. So, you know, you work with a guy like Benoit Allaire, who has, you know, tutored Henrik Lundqvist and now Igor Shesterkin, and they've gotten a lot of mileage out of the backups uh, that Shesterkin has had. Alexander Georgiev is now the starter in, in Colorado, and even Yaroslav Halak last year had a pretty good season as a backup at age 37. So quick, same age, um, very good resume. They still need someone to, to make those 20 to 25 starts, and we'll see what Ben Waller can do to kind of fix a guy who uh, has had a lot of success doing it his own way for a long time. But I think as a guy who's won before, who's been there before, who uh, is known as a guy who's great in the room, quick is, uh, quick is a good addition on those fronts. Arthur Staple from The Athletic in New York is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440. Another veteran that the Rangers signed to basically league min was uh, Blake Wheeler. Uh, how much do you think that Wheeler has left in the tank? You know, it's, it'll be interesting to see. You know, this is not uh, necessarily a very fast team. They obviously have some guys who can get up and down the ice. Uh, you know, Wheeler's 37 now. Uh, maybe his, his fastest days and his most active days are behind him. But uh, in talking to him and kind of talking to Peter Laviolette the other day, I think they feel like they've got a guy not only uh, who can fill a lot of different roles uh, and be a, a versatile guy in a lineup that might need some somebody to play third line one night or top line for a couple of games, depending on what happens. They're very thin on the right side. Capo Caco is really their only kind of natural right wing that they have, and he's a left shot. So they've got a right shot, right wing here, and Blake Wheeler, who's obviously had a lot of success throughout the years. He's been part of some good teams in Winnipeg. Um, so the intangible part, I think, is pretty well covered. The on-ice part kind of remains to be seen, um, you know, whether he plays with 
say Mika Zibanejad on a top line or, or Filipino Vincent Trocek second, third line. I would imagine that might be more ideal for him, whether he gets any power play time on a top power play unit that's been lights out the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, I think he's understanding that this is going to be a very different role for him than he's had the last decade in Winnipeg. And uh, you kind of have to be accepting of that. And much like with Quick, there is some question maybe as to how that transition will go for a guy at his age and with his with his track record, but uh, he certainly seems game for whatever. And, you know, that that, that chance to win uh, clearly is what swayed him. He certainly would have had some other options mm-hmm. once the Jets bought him out. But here he is in New York, like you said, not making much money, but uh, looking for a chance to win. So you would think that uh, a guy like that would be able to be flexible and fill whatever role is asked of him, and, and we'll see what role is going to be asked of him. Well, with the a lot of the team getting a little bit older, what are the windows of opportunities? How long do you see them staying in the game? Um, you know, I think it's for this team, it's the window is open as long as Igor Shosturkin keeps it open. You know, when you have that level of goaltending, uh, you know, I think you see it in Winnipeg too, where uh, you know, as long as they have Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg, they feel okay about things, even with the roster kind of being a bit decimated here. Roster's a lot better than that, and they've got Igor Shosturkin in his prime. You know, he's uh, he's a couple years away from free agency, so that's going to be an interesting discussion, but that's for another day, and, and I think he's a guy who has been really hard on himself the last, uh, certainly last year. He, he got off to a bit of a slow start. Um, certainly hard to duplicate what he did in 21-22, um, but I think... As long as they've got him, as long as they've got Adam Fox as their number one defenseman, as long as they've got guys like Zabanajad and Chris Kreider who are on the, the wrong side of 30 but still effective guys, Artemi Panarin, you can yeah. put in that conversation as well. You know, I think this core, even as it gets older, still has a couple years in it just because of the way they've been able to form and kind of uh, grow. You know, you see a guy like Chris Kreider is 32 years old. He's had his two best scoring years the last two seasons. Yeah. So, um you know, as as some of their guys age, uh, you think maybe the window would close a little bit. But goalies in, the, in his prime, they've got a young D core with Fox and guys like Keandre Miller and Braden Schneider. Um, I think they feel like they can compete for and contend for a couple more years. So we'll see how that uh, how that works out this year with in year one with Peter Laviolette. Yeah, a very fair assessment for sure. Arthur Staples, our guest on Sports fourteen forty, the Athletic out of New York. Where do you think uh, the Rangers are with? Um, Patrick Kane, uh, do you see him uh, like a lock to be back uh, when he gets healthy? Uh, certainly not a lock. You know, he's going to have some options, obviously. You know, you see teams like his hometown team in Buffalo, if they get off to a good start, I think he's kind of taken the approach of he'll be fully ready in about, you know, six to eight weeks, and he can kind of assess. You never know what kind of injuries are going to going to befall a team uh rangers in terms of cap space would make it would be a difficult acquisition they'd probably have to shed somebody from their roster to make it work uh in the middle of the season which is difficult to do but if they get a big injury up front you never know uh same goes i would guess for a team like edmonton uh who you know i'm sure would have interest in a guy like patrick kane fully healthy um so i think he's going to kind of survey the landscape it sounded like he loved his time in new york and this was really the only place he would he wanted to go last year in a trade it's too bad he wasn't healthy mm-hmm. um so i'm sure he'll they'll explore it but uh but i think for the rangers their focus right now is getting their core 22 guys out of camp healthy and ready to go and 
and ready to hit the ground running with, uh, I think they have eight of their first 10 games on the road. So, um, you know, they, they'll think about Patrick Kane if they need to, but I'm not sure that they're going to they're focused on it right now. How do you think he fit in last year when he arrived in New York? He would have been a great fit if he was closer to 100% mm-hmm. health. You know, I think the hip was really a complicating factor for him. I think a lot of teams certainly knew that that could be an issue. Um, I think they did, the Rangers medical staff did all they could to get him ready, and he certainly showed flashes of his old self, especially the first couple of games that playoff series against Jersey, but just wasn't healthy enough to be effective. Um, and really, I think there was a lot of, you know, there was the, 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 the roster, the co- you know, the coaching staff front office, they, they made a lot of twists and turns to, to make it work. They, you know, they had to play mm-hmm. short couple of games to, to make the salary cap work uh, in ahead of the trade that kind of threw things off a little bit. And once he got here, you know, especially in the playoff series where they couldn't adjust once the devil started to turn their speed on, um, you know, it just it just was more Patrick Kane the reputation rather than Patrick Kane the player, just because he was so compromised physically, and the Rangers didn't have the flexibility with their roster to to make any changes or have a lot of answers. Right. So, you know, that might weigh on Chris Drury's mind if you're thinking about adding Patrick Kane again. I don't know you want to jump through quite so many hoops the way that they did last year. Arthur Staple, beat reporter for the New York Rangers uh, with The Athletic, is our guest on Sports 1440. A couple more quick ones for you, Arthur. Just uh, on the younger players, uh, we did mention the maybe the shift to an older core with the Rangers, but the Rangers have two really young, up-and-coming stars in Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco. Maybe you can actually even put Philip Hedl in that group as well, a little bit older than the previous two. But what about the, the, the base here kind of moving forward with that group of younger players on the cusp of um, hopefully doing something good for the Rangers? I mean, all three of them had their best years last year, mostly playing together. Um, I think they were happy to be together, but maybe not so happy to get kind of limited third-line minutes, uh, very little power play time for any of the three of them. So I think, you know, coming off those kinds of years, Kako in particular, I think maybe a guy who's ready for a little bit more action, uh, you know, I think some of his best uh, time on the ice in the regular season uh, the last couple of years came on the right side with Kreider and Zbanejad on, a, on that top line. Um, so, you know, I think he might be a guy who's poised for a breakout. Lafreniere, you know, uh, no points in the playoff series. That was a tough way to finish, especially going into the end of his entry-level contract. He got, you know, a very minimal bridge deal, $2.375 million per. You know, you'd have to go a long way back in NHL history to find a number one pick. He got so little money on his second contract, so I would think that's a huge motivator for him. Certainly a new coach coming in, his third coach already in, in his fourth NHL mm-hmm. season. Um, you know, it, it feels like uh, he needs to take a big step forward this year. He's playing on the right side so far in camp. He played there last night in their preseason game in Boston. Um, so, it, you know, he's, he's still only 22 years old. This is still a very young guy, and he's shown flashes of, of the guy who was a no-brainer, number one overall pick three years ago. Um, but this is a team that needs to win now. You know, he doesn't get the luxury of a, of a Tim Stutzla who, who got to ease in on a team that wasn't really contending during his, his entry-level years and got to experiment with more ice time or top power play or things like that. Lafreniere's had to be, uh, you know, a success from pretty much the time he got here and, and also kind of wait in line on the left side behind Kreider and Artemi Panarin. So he's getting his opportunity on the right. 
I think he knows that this is a pretty big year for him, uh, trying to make a good impression on a coach and on a front office that uh, isn't completely sold on whether he can be the star that they thought he was going to be when they took him first overall. Um, Arthur, thanks so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Um, enjoy the rest of the preseason. It's a lot of games and a lot of nights for most teams. Uh, and uh, we look forward to uh, reading your stuff with the, with the Athletica on the Rangers this year. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on. Take care. All right. That's Arthur Staple from The Athletic uh, in New York. Uh, Lorianne Munzer, you've been to New York probably racing lots in your career. No, not once? No. How we come? drove by it once coming up from Florida, but uh, no velodromes. Well, uh, they don't have the real estate for velodromes. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'd have to go back to doing road or <laughs> criteriums. Well, or you could just have, you know, maybe they could build one uh, on top of a building. In New York, maybe in one of the skyscrapers. Probably. Would you would Probably. you be able to handle that racing on top know? of the world? Yeah, absolutely. That oh. now that would be a showstopper. Yeah. If you build it, they would come. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about the velodrome here in Edmonton being built. It's another year or so. Year in a bit. Year in a bit yeah. away. I think a lot of people are excited about that. That's just one of the many topics that we will be talking to L.A. Munzer about. Uh, when we come back, a little story time, the Moscow Adventure with uh, Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Lots more to come right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. The Duke gets his uh, daily Brian Adams fix in early. Why is he? He's your number one guy of all time, Brian Adams. Duke? No, he's not like my number one of all time. But like, I I seen him in concert in <laughs> twenty fourteen. Like it was the thirtieth anniversary tour of the Reckless album. Oh, and uh, I mean, like he's he's Canadian. Yes. Uh, you know, he's on the radio a lot growing up. And he just like I don't know. I think he can really belt it. Uh, I love a lot of the like the old school rock, like guitar intros and stuff. And after I seen him in concert, I was sold. Uh, yeah. It was it was terrific. Oh. Did you he was, see him he, here in te- when he was at Telus? No, and he was actually just he was in Red Deer, I think, like a couple weekends ago, um, and I didn't go, but uh, I seen him the once, which was good <laughs> enough. And he, like I said, that was ten ten years ago now, so um, he was still playing the guitar behind his head and running around the stage, kind of like still full rock star mode. I'm not sure if he's still quite at that point right now, uh, <laughs> ten years later. But I seen him at a time where I kind of still got the full Brian Adams experience, and it was it was awesome, and I love the guy. <laughs> Great musician. Oh, wow. He Great entertainer. Um, right. Text line 1833-401-1440. KCF uh, sends one in. Canucks lose 10 nothing As a lifelong Canucks fan, I love it. Owner needs to fire everyone under him. Terrible coach hire. Awful GM and organization. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, not happy with the Vancouver Canucks. 10 nothing They lose last night to the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Oilers in action tonight in Winnipeg. Uh, 2-1, the Oilers lost to the Jets yesterday in a shootout. Um, Connor McDavid didn't play, but the Oilers had some veteran presence. Uh, they had a, a little bit, uh, one solid line of veteran presence that we saw uh, together um, with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, uh, and uh, Zach Hyman and then Evander Kane. So, uh Everyone's just got to ease in here. Like, it's just one game in the in the preseason. Then again, five games this week. So they've got a busy, uh, busy, busy schedule. Something that just came down on the wires uh, this morning. Pittsburgh Steelers charter plane from Las Vegas made an emergency landing in Kansas City early this morning. Um Pittsburgh media outlets say that the plane landed. Uh, fire trucks were at the scene because of 
oil pressure failure in one of the engines. So, but everyone okay. Obviously, the plane landed, and then they had to get a a new plane. But uh, Cam Hayward says uh, it was uh, sending out on social media emergency landing in KC. I think it's due to the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick roughing the passer call. But seriously, land, landing in KC. So you watched the game, Duke, last night? Did you? That was a bad call. The uh, roughing the passer on. Uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And then the other thing that didn't make a lot of sense was uh, Vegas going for the field goal when they were down by eight. Yeah, that made absolutely I, no I didn't sense. Get that one. The, no one they, did. They were gifted the chance to continue to yes. drive. Um, and off of the, the the weird penalty on the first try at a long field goal in a place where it didn't make any sense um, with the kind of, you know, the, the leverage thing, jump or using mm-hmm. your hand to push up to try and block yes. it. So they get a gift and a chance to continue the drive and they get in closer. And then, you know, you're down one score. So you kick a field goal to be down one score. <laughs> it, it made absolutely zero sense. Uh, we kind of touched on it off the top, like this Raiders offense looks out of sorts. Josh Jacobs, who you know held out a camp, um, getting this new contract mm-hmm. done. He doesn't look uh, nearly as efficient as he did last year when he led the league in rushing. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's much been maligned as a sort of Kirk Cousins type quarterback that can't necessarily win the big games. Is not going to wow you, but accurate passer through another interception last night. It's. Uh, I don't think things are going to get any better for the Raiders anytime soon. Then Cam Hayward uh, chimes in again. Yo, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, we might need a ride to Pittsburgh because they landed in KC. Now, the other thing that caught my eye, uh, Laurie Ann Munzer, were you ever, did you ever have, because you flew a lot. Mm-hmm. Did you have any little bit of a, you know, any plane problems and anything that you were like, you know, going through some maybe bad turbulence or something happened on a flight that was... Kind of bad. Before we get to the Moscow story, did you have anything like that? Uh, wow. There's all kinds of stories, and a uh, number of them are actually in my book called One Gear, No Breaks. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest adventures that really felt like the world's craziest roller coaster was actually flying into Quito, Ecuador. Mm. Now, the opportunity to race and compete at 10,000 feet above sea level is an opportunity you always say yes to. However, the airport is located in between two mountains, so for the pilot to literally land the plane... We were going sideways, left, right. We were up. We were down. It was like... How big was the plane? I think it was a 747. Wow. Like, it, like it's a standard size plane, yeah. but it's just... Like if you go down to Pincher Creek, they have got the windmills and turbines out there. It was beyond Pincher Creek. Yeah. And that wind is pretty spectacular, especially coming from Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just, uh, you know, sometimes we, we've had delays. I've been in Mexico when we were taken to the airport, and I thought, this is really weird because there's all kinds of VW buses and Volkswagens, and the windshield really was messy. And I was thinking the guy was out of windshield fluid. Well, it turned out the volcano oh, was ash. erupting. So it was all of the ash. Oh. So when we got to the airport, our bags were held, and but we weren't told that okay the volcano's erupting well it's just the plane's delayed and then it was delayed a couple <laughs> more hours a couple more hours so we ended up spending 48 hours sleeping on a cardboard box on the floor wow. and you know we were tag teaming it my coach Des Dickey and I and it was just I never thought I was going to get home seriously hmm. sometimes you just got to wait better than up in the air yes um, yeah so this replacement plane arrived in Kansas City this morning. It's probably coming right about now uh, to pick up the 182 passengers and take them back to Pittsburgh. That's a lot of, you know, you got the team. 
you have the the trainers, the support staff, the coaching. 182. That's a lot. That's a big charter. That's a big big charter. That's a little bit more than what uh, you know. You see, I was lucky enough to fly with the Oilers on their charter. You know, in 2003 to 2010. Not quite 182 people on the plane, for sure. So, Loria and Munzer, now out of Ecuador. The story getting to Ecuador. But uh, what year was that one? Do you know? Do you remember offhand? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that was just before my appendix exploded. <laughs> <laughs> 2002. Okay. That was quite the year. Well, all right. Well, we've got another story to talk about. So uh, let's get to the Moscow situation. What year was that? That was the following year, the 2003. Following year. Man, you just yeah. had, this is all before the Olympic gold. I, I mean, this is good. It was before yes, gold. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. All right. So what what happened in Moscow? You gave our listeners a little a little bit of a preview earlier in the show, but run us through the, your your Moscow adventure. Oh my goodness. 2003, I ended up living in Switzerland for about three and a half months and I trained under a seven-time world champion. So I got to eat, sleep, breathe all day cycling, which I thought was amazing. And one of the trips was to a World Cup in Moscow. Now, never been to Russia, never been to Moscow. And it was an incredible trip. Um, First off, we got to tour the Moscow Velodrome and the training facility. So all the national team athletes in cycling, they were housed out of the velodrome. And if we Canadians thought that we didn't have a whole lot of equipment, of support, we realized just how lucky we were because really seeing what those athletes had, but more Mm -hmm. importantly, how they make things work. You know, you've got a 400 meter, it's a massive velodrome. Ours is 333 but they had like very little. And then one of the things after competing, uh, my coach and I, Steen, we decided we were going to go to the Red Square at about five o'clock in the morning. So it was before we headed back home. Well, he headed back home to Canada. I headed back home to Switzerland. I mean, I didn't know how many times I'd get to Moscow and I wanted to see the Red Square. So we went, it was about minus 35, minus 40, and it was so cold. Yeah. So we decided to warm up and Steen was on a mission to uh, to go to Mickey D's, McDonald's. Yeah. And I was like, okay, hot chocolate, warm up. So we go, we come out and we decide we're going to walk around a little bit more. And there was a monument, you know, big Russian guy with a gun and the big hat and the long coat. And all of a sudden I heard passport. <laughs> and I went, oh, shoot. Because my passport was with my coach, Fred, in the hotel, and I didn't have it. So I did a 180 and started walking the other way, and all of a sudden I heard, you, over here. So he's like, passport, documentation. And I'm like... <laughs> That's not a bad accent. I you, uh, yeah. how, uh, you, uh, I had lots of time to think yes. about it. How's, how's your Russian, by the way? Yet, <laughs> nothing, nothing. I, I, I don't know any Russian, unfortunately, and I wished I did at that moment. And I realized I was in a lot of hot water because, you know, being a communist country, you definitely have to have your passport was the biggest lesson learned. Luckily, the Kiwis, the New Zealanders, they had been coming to the Red Square. They happened to have somebody from the consulate with them who spoke Russian. So he said, let me figure out what's going on. He said, Lorianne, see that car over there? I want you to get in it and head home, like just leave the square. So I did a 180, hopped into the little Lada and back home we went. So Hmm. luckily it turned out for the better, but um, always when you're traveling, always have your passport. 
So you, you, but you were really scared. You were scared because of... Oh, yeah. Well, nobody knew where Steen and I were. The only yeah. person that knew where I was, was was Steen, right? Training partner, friend, coach. Um, here I am in a country that I don't know, don't speak the language. Um, yeah, my heart was, was pretty racing. Then, okay, after it kind of all settled down, how long did it take for you to kind of go, okay, this... Everything worked out fine. Well, it obviously. wasn't until I was back in the hotel that I went, okay, hmm. okay, yeah. And then just before we left as a team with uh, Fred, like the um, cycling group that I was with, guess where we went? We went to the Red Square. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you have at McDonald's anyway, besides the hot, hot chocolate? Just it. the hot chocolate, like the biggest hot chocolate, because oh. it was so cold. I was like an ice cube. And uh, yeah, it's cold. It's really cold in the wintertime there. Man. Tales from Moscow with Lorianne Munzer. But I, I think the other, the, the Ecuador score, uh, story is scarier than that one for me. How so? Well, the you're, turbulence you're, Yeah, in the you're flight? going and, and the plane's going bananas and you're, you're tailing left and right. The wings are going up and down. Well, I knew I was, I was in a good spot. I had total faith in the pilot that we were going to land it. And yeah, it was a little sideways action going. But uh, it's sort of like sport, right? You pass the puck left, you pass the puck right, <laughs> yeah. you go down the center, and, you know, you land it. So that's the worst plane experience for you, probably? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But you went like, okay, we're all, all over the world. What about the, the um, off the beaten path? Or like Ecuador is one of them. I would yeah. imagine all, you know, there's lots of racing in Russia and things like that. Ecuador, in my mind, is not exactly... Well, but as you said, though, because of the the elevation, yeah. it's a must do. Oh, absolutely. So, you, like Denver, did you do like Denver? Obviously? I've been to Denver, Colorado. Yeah. That's elevation as well. Yeah. Not as high. Um, great facility, great outdoor track. The Americans, oh my gosh, they are so great with putting on the events. Like it's the people come out, people come out and watch. Spectators, um, sponsorship, prize money, great facilities. Hmm. So sometimes traveling, um, <laughs> the biggest crapshoot is, are you going to get all your equipment? Because typically you're allowed two bags, but we always had three. Right. Bike suitcase, so I had two bikes. Then I had my disc wheels in a separate case because you don't want to put those beautiful little babies in <laughs> with your bikes. And then you have your luggage. So we were in uh, Chechen, Poland. Never been to Poland. I want to go back because we didn't have any extra time to look around. And we saw our bags being loaded and then unloaded, and then the plane left, and it was like, hmm, I wonder when we're going to get our equipment. Wow. So luckily, our equipment arrived. The disc wheels arrived, but I had no luggage. <laughs> so this is when you go and you talk to your friends on the other team. Yeah. So Steen had a Chilean they helped you out. outfit. I had British shorts and... <laughs> British shorts, and I think I had a French top, or vice versa. I don't know. You didn't so, know they didn't know you were from Canada. Yep. But. Yep. And it was cold. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, so all kinds gonna, of stories and adventures. There are, and we're going to get a lot of these stories uh, every Monday with Lorianne Munzer, seven to nine. Uh, top of the hour, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet for Booster Juice on the Mark. That's coming up. First up, though. Uh, the Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Wear an NFL jersey tonight to the downtown location and get 50% off wings. Here is the Duke.